0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Laguna Beach the podcast. Like Missy Elliot, I'm going to put it down, flip it, and reverse it. So this week I'm going to do the advice and pop culture section first, and then I'm going to go into the hills. I am excited that I waited till after the Super Bowl. Okay, well there's a minute left of the Super Bowl, so I'm pretty sure Kansas City's going to win. And I'm still on, like, this natural high from the Shakira and J-Lo performance. Now, a few episodes ago, I was like, oh, I'm not a huge J-Lo fan, but she did great in Hustlers. I can't lie, I think I'm a huge J-Lo fan now. But I've always loved Shakira. I've always thought Shakira was great. And, like, she was my favorite on The Voice when she was a, um coach on The Voice, but I've always loved her music, and seeing her up there killing it, I was so proud of her, so happy. Patriots weren't in the Super Bowl, so I don't really care who wins. I was hoping Patrick Mahomes wouldn't win because his brother annoys the absolute shit out of me on um, TikTok, and just in general, like, just in general on Twitter and all that, like, Jackson Mahomes is the most annoying person on the internet, and that's coming from, like, a very annoying person on the internet. But congratulations. If you're a Chiefs fan, I'm happy for you. I know the feeling. Kind of hurts the Patriots aren't there this year, but I think I'll be able to move on. But yeah, I really think that the best part of the whole Super Bowl was Shakira Shakira, my girl. Now a lot of you know my Super Bowl happened on Friday night. I actually did a Friday night live for the first time in like a really really long time. I kind of stopped doing them because people were getting kind of nasty towards each other and I was like I don't want I don't want this to be my platform like I don't want to have to be a referee between people or like just people coming at me for talking over the show, which I get can be kind of annoying. But Friday night, Taylor Swift's documentary came out and I'm gonna talk about that at the very end of like the pop culture advice recap. So I know some of you don't love when I talk about Taylor Swift and that's why I'm giving you a heads up, okay? <laughs> I do have a fun story from a follower though. So last week I talked about like older TV shows and I'm pretty sure I forgot about Parental Control cause I didn't like that show, but I'm really excited and she's letting me share the story. So Jessica was 17 at an all-ages club in Hollywood, which sounds like a very dangerous place to be. I'm pretty sure they did like 16 and up or 17 and up. They didn't have any all-ages clubs in Massachusetts, I don't think. At least I didn't go to any all-ages clubs. I had to wait till I was 18 and drive to a different state. But Jessica said she's at this club and there was a table set up with a banner that just said MTV. So just going up to them, most likely, and she, and this is her words, so I'm reading this in her words, okay? She says she was most likely being an annoying, buzzed 17-year-old, and they asked if she wanted to sign up for this new show. She said okay and turned 18 a couple months later, and they literally called her the next day. She had to go in with her parents for an interview, and her friend wanted to be on the show too, so they just pretended they were dating, and MTV wrote a whole script for them, and it was three long days of filming. She went on two dates with two lame-ass dudes that basically were just aspiring actors, not anywhere looking for love. And the producers literally handed her a script to memorize in a couple hours, then announced who I would pick. So it was all fake. And I feel like that's why I really didn't like it when I was little, like... Obviously, I liked Laguna and all that and The Hills, but I thought I knew that, like, parental control was too fake to be true. So, I think I've talked about it a few times. I tried out for Real World, and I got, like, two or three um, auditions in. And one thing that they actually did say in the, audi- in like, the, the script, not script, I'm sorry, in the thing you have to sign. Why can't I think of the word? Whatever. In the thing you have to sign it says, if you get a script, you can't talk about it. So when I read that, I was like, oh my God, don't tell me real world's fake too. I do think real world was pretty real, at least probably up until the last se- the last Portland season. Then after that, it was like the go big, go home and like the skeletons one. And I think those ones were a little more fake than the others. So first I wanted to talk about intermittent fasting. So I'm actually trying this new thing. I Googled it, it's healthy. So basically I don't eat from like, 7 p.m. until 10 in the morning. And I'll just drink water or kombucha in between. And I actually feel really good about it. I'm about a week in and so far so good. I'm not really like seeing too much change in my body so far, but I think my face has slimmed out a little bit. A few people at work said that I'm starving myself, but I'm really not. I'm still eating. I'm still eating a big lunch. I'm still eating a dinner. I'm having like three snacks in between. But if you're looking for a way to like kind of recharge your body I definitely say check out intermittent fasting and I have been going to the gym too it took me a little while to get started but I am trying to get healthier in 2020 I told you guys I was gonna try and do that the only issue is is that like I always have ankle issues So it's like, I have to just restart every two weeks because my ankles are like, dude, what are you doing? So somebody said they're nervous about starting a new job. And the most important thing I can tell you is to bring a pen and a notepad. I feel like sometimes people forget and sometimes companies don't provide you with one. So take notes, don't feel weird about it. You have to learn somehow. And I know for me, like I'm a very visual learner. I need to like write it down to remember stuff. Also remember everybody is new at some point. I know I get nervous asking questions, even asking like where the bathroom is, but if you don't know, you have to ask. And it's it's really that simple. And I always say lay low at first. It's not that no one likes the new person, but they just got to feel you out. Like they got to they got to see what you what you're all about. So those are my tips for you. I hope they help a little bit. Another person mentioned that they moved from Chicago to LA and they're experiencing a lot of FOMO. Like they feel like they're missing out on a lot back home. And if you're a newer listener, I don't know if you'll know this, but I moved from Massachusetts to Nashville and I still go through this. And one of the worst things is like my family is the absolute worst at taking pictures and videos and sending them to me. And I used to get like really, really upset about it. I'd be like, what do you mean my niece had a soccer game? What do you mean she had a dance recital? You didn't take any pictures for me? And they're like, no, we didn't really think of it. But I've learned to just accept that and I try to ask them what's going on and remind them to take photos for me. But I think for me, I realized that I moved to better myself and luckily I had a lot of support from family and friends and no one made me feel bad about moving. So like they're not having these events without you to like punish you. I don't know if that really makes sense, but you just need to remember why you moved. And I know this person, she said that she goes back home a lot, which is cool But I challenge you to, like, go two months without going home. Go three months without going home. Also, there have been plenty of dinners where my friends have just, like, FaceTimed me in. So if you want that, just ask them, and they'll likely do it. Like, no one's going to think you're annoying for wanting that. And eventually it goes away. Like I said, I forced myself not to go home for almost six months, which is way too long. 6 months is a really long time to not be home. My nieces are like grown-ups now. It's it's it gets tough, but I think just just trying to go longer spurts of not going home. That's that's the best way to do it. And try to plan trips around big things. So when you know you can have a full week to see everyone, I always try and go in the summer. Or on like an April vacation, something like that. Just so you can really have time to see everybody. And when you go home, my biggest suggestion is to throw a cookout at like your house. Or I mean at your parents' house or a friend's house or something. So everyone can get together. Because a lot of people are going to get mad at you for not seeing them long enough when you go home. And this is what I do. I, I have a cookout at my parents' house. And everyone who is invited. So whoever shows up, you know, that's who I see. And if someone's like, oh, I can't believe I missed you. I'm like, well, I invited you to my cookout and you didn't come. So that's on you. And you're not going to make me feel bad about that. Because when you do go home, you have to prioritize your time a lot. Also, I haven't um, listened back to the recording. And I don't know if you can hear my neighbor being really loud outside my door talking to her dog. So if you could hear that in the background or if you think that's I was like talking a little bit slower, that's why. Really distracted me. And, you know, sometimes I don't like to edit that out. I think it kind of gives kind of gives the podcast character. So the final thing somebody asked me about was dealing with celebrity death grief, which I think a lot of us have been feeling this past week about Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi. And with this death specifically, I think it's really hard to get over because we're being so saturated by it. I think we're reminded daily that three children, four parents died on this plane, along with the pilot who has a family and the assistant coach of the basketball team. I think you should just grieve about it. And there's no way you can like get around that. It's not wrong to feel emotions about this or any other celebrity death in the past. Even if you weren't like a huge fan, I think that this this specific one in general is like really, really tough. I mean, even if it wasn't Kobe Bryant, but you heard about this tragedy, you'd still be moved by it. So do what you think you need to do about it. Talk about it. Cry about it. Also, if it helps, stay off social media for a little bit. I'll be totally fine and see a video and start like sobbing. And I know that if I'm on Twitter and see a video, I'm going to watch it and definitely cry about it. But Alana Glazer, who who plays Alana on Broad City, she actually posted something and I wanted to read about it because it's kind of like, how can you grieve someone you never met, right? So this is originally posted by Real D.L. Hughley and it says, why we grieve people we never met. one, Their work helped us get through a difficult time in our life. Two, their work inspired our dreams and goals. Three, they modeled possibility. Four, their death triggers our grief of previous losses. And five, their passing activates our fears around death. I feel like all that makes sense. And going off of that, somebody asked me to talk about Kobe and TMZ and how TMZ reported that Kobe passed away before a lot of the families were notified Now, I don't know if it's been confirmed that that is how Vanessa found out, Vanessa and the Bryant family, maybe some members of the Bryant family, because Harvey Levin said they confirmed with Kobe's camp first. So like they made sure everyone in Kobe's family knew, but they didn't care about the other families, which is fucking gross. And I hate to say this, but TMZ is really smart. I hate them. But if I want celebrity gossip, I know to go to TMZ. It's run by lawyers, and they walk this very fine line. They, they know not to, like, post completely inaccurate information or else they'd be sued, but they did post that all Kobe's daughters were on the plane, so that's pretty fucked up. But for some reason, like, they're not going to get sued by that because they retracted the statement. And I wanna focus all this anger that a lot of people have on TMZ. Obviously, I am not condoning what they did. I wanna make that clear. Like, I don't think what they did was right. But I am more angry at the first responder that leaked the information to TMZ. And it's kinda like, I hope it was worth the paycheck, you massive dick. And again, I don't condone what TMZ did. And Harvey Levin was kinda like, well, we're just reporting the news. I'm like, shut up, dude, you're the worst. But they are super brilliant and they are really smart and know how to not get sued because it's run by lawyers. But yeah, unfortunately, if TMZ reports something, it's usually true. Because a lot of people were, I could saw a lot of people commenting, well, it's just TMZ, well, it's just TMZ. Yeah, believe, honestly, believe TMZ. They're usually not wrong. But yeah, I I definitely don't think what they did was right. And also, fuck that first responder who decided that a paycheck was worth more than, like, the human decency of making sure a family's notified before... It's shown on the news. All right, so I did something. I watched the Justin Bieber YouTube documentary. Now, earlier this week, I posted the Ellen interview, and somebody asked me if I was really concerned for Bieber or if I was just, like, making fun of him. I want you all to know that I'm actually really concerned about him because he isn't right. I mean, if you watch the interview, he can't sit still. He loses his train of thought. He isn't okay, but guess what? They'll just blame Lyme disease. Now, I do want to say it could be a bit of transference because... The way he acts reminds me a lot of my cousin who passed away, he was an addict. And the way Justin Bieber acts reminds me a lot of him, like the way he speaks, the way he moves his body, things like that. So I may not know Lyme disease, But I have like a doctorate in uh, addiction at this point in my life. A lot of people I know have been addicts. A lot of people from my school have passed away because of their addiction or from like high school. Not like, you know what I mean? Like people I grew up with have passed away from addiction. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not doing this to make fun of Justin Bieber. And it's just kind of become this thing that I talk about almost every week. So that's why I'm talking about it now. And I only watched two episodes of his documentary, and it made me, like, really feel bad for him. Watching it, I noticed that even with, like, Haley, Justin seems super alone. I don't get any kind of romantic vibes from them. It's like, I'm sure they like one another, but I just feel like there's something missing. I don't know if I can really put my, like, finger on it or what, but I don't know, man. There's one specific scene in the first episode where in this van, they're in this van, and Justin is listening to a new song, and he says... This would sound good with drums. And Haley stays on her phone, ignoring him, until he repeats himself, like, three times, and she finally goes, yeah, definitely. And then she looks, like, right at the camera and smiles because she realizes that it's on her? Now, maybe she just doesn't understand music, but in that moment, I felt so bad for Justin. Even with a wife and all these people around him, like, he still seems very lonely. In another moment in the first episode, Justin brings Haley to his first apartment And she just isn't really engaged at all. I mean, she didn't grow up struggling, so maybe she can't relate to it. But I was like, damn, girl, at least, like, pretend. I mean, you're on camera watching, like, someone's filming you. Put it together, like, keep it together, girl. But yeah, this documentary is making me feel for Justin and not in the way it was intended. I see how isolated he is. And even with, like, his team around him, I don't think he has any real support. And I feel like the point of this documentary was to make you feel bad for him, but for you to kind of be like, but at least he has Scooter, at least he has Haley, at least he has Ryan Good. And I'm kind of like, no, he just seems so lonely and so isolated, even when he's surrounded by people. On another note, though, Ryan Good freaks me out. He was originally Justin Bieber's swag coach when he was like 14 or 15. And I always think it's super fucking weird and inappropriate when someone in their 20s is hanging out with a fucking teenager. I don't care if he's a celebrity. I don't care about whatever. No, it's weird. Especially because there are a lot of blinds about Justin Bieber allegedly being abused at a young age because there are a lot of gross people in Hollywood. So I don't know if I would like... Doubt that I mean I'm saying allegedly because that's a big statement to say but obviously there's a lot of weirdness there And I still don't think he's gonna end up on tour and if he does it'll be for like a show or three But he isn't healthy and I really hope that he gets help Like I really really hope Justin Bieber gets to where Justin Bieber was at one point point. And I guess my biggest issue with this is everyone's just pretending he's fine Like I'm a part of a pop culture group on Facebook and everyone's like, he's just nervous. He just seems nervous. I'm like, that isn't nerves. Stop it. (laughs) But like I said, I mean, I've said this before. It reminds me so much of Britney in 2007. But worse, because back then, even though the press was extremely unfair towards Britney, like the press still admitted she had a problem. Now, if I say anything about my worry for Bieber, I'm not being sympathetic towards his apparent Lyme disease. And I just want to know how much Scooter has paid the media to turn a blind eye to this. Because as someone who isn't even close to being a believer, I'm really worried. And, I mean, his comeback interview was with Ellen because Ellen makes him comfortable. But there's another clip, like, where he's talking to Ellen about could he be faithful to Haley and all this stuff. And Ellen is looking at him like he's out of his mind. It's really sad. So when I post about Bieber, it's not to be funny. It's about to be like, no one's talking about this. Nobody's saying much other than, like... I don't know. I just I really don't read headlines about it. And I don't know if my head's in the sand or what. But I I hope he gets the help he needs. And going from that documentary to the Taylor Swift documentary, it's like night and day. I mean, Taylor seems very involved with her team. Her team seems very involved with her. And she's not isolated, even though she did say she does say she gets lonely because she can't really, like, go out that much or anything. But I'm about to talk about the Taylor Swift documentary. And like I said, I know some people don't love when I talk about Taylor Swift, but here we are. And I'll say I love the documentary. I kind of wish it was more focused on now instead of just the past, because I feel like we know a lot of the past. I was surprised that they brought up the VMAs thing. I was like, oh, I thought that, like, it was going to be more about reputation in the lover eras, but I still thought it was great. I thought it was put together really well. Somebody asked me on the live if I think her and Joe are real. Um, You know, I'm always on the fence about those two because their hug, like on the documentary, looks like they are hugging for the first time, like they're... Their body language is very bizarre. It looks like how I would hug like my estranged aunt or something like someone you don't really want to hug, but you have to. So I'm still on the fence about those two. I know that as a Swifty, I'll get some shit for that, but it is what it is. I said it. It's out there. Obviously, Taylor in the documentary talks about an eating disorder, which I think was like really open for her to talk about because she is pretty private. Even, like, all of her relationships that we've seen. I mean, I don't think all of them have been real. I've talked about PR relationships in the past. But, like, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, other than her political beliefs, I thought it was incredible how she was, like... No, we're going to do this. Like her team was fighting her and she's like, absolutely not. And she's like, it's against stalkers like people. And she points at herself because she's had a bunch of stalkers. Somebody she even said in the documentary, somebody broke into her home and slept in her bed. That's so terrifying. I would burn my bed if somebody did that. But she says that like she lives for the applause of people. Do I sound like that Lady Gaga song? But she lives to be the good girl. She wants people to like her. She wants people, she wants to make people feel good. She wants to make them happy. And she was like, you know, that's why a lot of entertainers do what they do because they're so insecure with themselves. They need that constant praise. So that really stuck out to me. I'm not saying I'm on any kind of Taylor Swift level. Let me say that real quick. But I also live for that praise. When somebody gives me a negative review on my podcast, that will stick with me for days. If someone gives me a positive review, I'm happy for a second. And then I'm like, how can I continue to make this better? How can I continue to evolve my Instagram, evolve Laguna Biatch, evolve Kelly? You know, and when I heard her say that, I was kind of like, wow, this is really real. Like, this is actually really cool to hear somebody who has a trillion fans Feel the same way as someone who has 40-something followers on Facebook. And I'm sure even if I didn't have this page, I would still feel that way. I've always wanted to be the good girl. I've always wanted people to like me. And hearing Taylor Swift say that, I was like, wow, she just became such a human to me. But I I thought that the whole documentary was incredible and someone DM'd me and they're like, you and Taylor sound alike. I'm like, we don't, but thank you, I'll take it. I just, I think it was important and I hope it um, changes a lot of people's opinions about her. A lot of people say how calculated she is, which I think's true. I think that she's really kind of honed in her image and she wanted to be that person for so long, but I think she is kind of shedding it. And the fact that she's been, open about it in this documentary and all that. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what comes after this. I feel like she's planning something big. I don't know what. But I cried during it, and I hope that her mom's healthy and, like, because her mom's such, like, a big part of this fandom as well. Like, she'll pick people out of the crowd to meet Taylor after a show. Maybe one day, maybe, maybe in August, I'll be plucked out of obscurity. They'll be like, where's your baby? I'll be like, no, it's just me, me and my friend. I'm nobody's mother. (laughs) So I didn't want to really do a deep dive on the, on the, um, documentary. I just want to talk about it a little bit, and... If you haven't watched it, even if you're not a huge Taylor Swift fan, I highly suggest it. The final thing I'm going to talk about before we get into the episode of The Hills is very Kava Larry. I actually really like this episode. I feel like we got to see Kristen be Kristen for the first time in a long time, and I don't get why she holds back so much. Like, she's really funny. When she said that she used to talk like a slob kebab, I died laughing. I'm like, I need to start saying slob kebab a lot more. And I was so happy there was no Kelly talk. I do think now they're gonna focus a little bit too much on Scooter and Justin maybe getting married and how Justin isn't ready. And I'm like, we've already seen this with Brittany and Stone. It's been done, move on. Brittany's new boyfriend looks like he could be John Gurney's older brother, but super upgrade from Stone, so I'm very happy about her. And I'm curious why they decided to cut Colby out completely. I still wish there was the moment where she's singing and like, Kristen walks in to support her. That would be really cool in my opinion. But somebody DM'd me are like, can you believe that she drank and had sex and did drugs in eighth grade? I'm kind of like, yeah. I mean, I didn't do, I mean, I was kissing boys in eighth grade. I wasn't like doing hard drugs or anything like that. But I knew girls in my grade and boys in my grade who were like getting wasted after school. I remember there was this group of boys, they were always kind of trouble and they got in trouble because they hid a like, I don't know, 40 pack, whatever, a lot of beer in the woods at school and left halfway through and they were drinking beer in the woods outside of our middle school and got caught. But I was afraid of my parents. I was afraid of my mom and dad, so there was no way I was doing anything too crazy. Maybe being too loud at the mall or like throwing popcorn in a movie theater, but that's about all I do. (laughs) And just real quick, I know a lot of you have followed my rom-com life. I told you all that Tim has been ignoring me since about early December, but today he decided to speak to me and it was kind of like a whoa moment (laughs) it's funny the girl I work with we kind of looked at each other after he talked to me and I was like was that real and he goes she was like I don't know if he meant to talk to you or not but hey guess what guys guess what I'm about to sound like a child but I won I held out longer than he did and that is the most important (laughs) thing really though last week I actually said for advice I was like reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a while so I reached out to a friend and I hadn't talked to her since probably late November she got really upset with me when I went home so when I went home for Thanksgiving and I hadn't really heard from her even though I reached out multiple times and then after the Taylor Swift documentary I was like I'm gonna reach out one more time so I'm not a super hypocrite And she reached out back and she apologized and she was like, I shouldn't have ignored you for as long as I had. And I was kind of like, all right, all right, that's cool, that's cool. So always reach out to people. I mean, it really, it did hurt my pride a little bit to be like, I'm going to do it one more time, but I'm glad that I did it. And yeah, so let's get into The Hills episode or season two, episode five. One big interruption, and I'm telling you this right now, I just came back from happy hour with my bosses, so yeah, that's where I'm at right now. It's Monday night, but I was like, I need to get this out right now. So like I said, this is season two, episode five, and it is called One Big Interruption. So it starts off with Audrina walking into the um, apartment of Lauren and Heidi And Heidi's, like, brutally hungover. And at this point, they're, like, 20, and I want to be like, homegirl, you don't know what a brutal hangover is. I'm 28, and my hangovers will last, like, 48 hours sometimes. I'm like, this isn't fair. But Heidi points at her face, and she goes, death, this is death. And then Audrina goes, yeah, you were pretty crazy. Hang on, how does Audrina say it? She goes, yeah, you were pretty crazy last night. So Heidi recaps that the blonde told her that she was going to hook up with Spencer later. And Audrina reminds Heidi that Spencer is a (laughs) dirtbag. Spencer is a dirtbag, she says. And then Lauren decides to pipe in, as Lauren does, because at this point, Lauren is done with Spencer. Lauren's over it. She thinks Heidi should break up with him. And she goes, how many people need to tell you bad things? And then Audrina reminds Heidi about the Pinkberry date. So Heidi decides to call Spencer to confront him about the Pinkberry story. Because apparently Heidi had never heard this before. And Audrina's like, no, I definitely told you about it. And Heidi's like, no, you didn't tell me about it. And guess what? He hooked up with me that night. Because that's how Heidi talks. And it's kind of funny because even though Spencer's on speakerphone, I have no idea what he's saying. The quality's so bad. Blackberry was like, no, we're not going to have a speakerphone. And Heidi says she doesn't want to keep finding things out. Like, she's sick of being surprised by things. She's so sick of finding random things out. And Spencer says he's done and starts to try to, like, flip it on her. And Lauren, Lauren, our girl Lauren, Lauren Conrad, who I am. I am definitely Lauren Conrad out of all my friends But Lauren says, don't let him flip it. And then immediately she goes, and this quote is so good. I wish, I mean, I'm hoping Lauren came up with these quotes by herself, but we all know it's probably not true. But she goes, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. And I don't think I could even lift him. What an icon. Lauren Conrad. I know she wrote like a whole bunch of books, which I actually really like, the Fame Game books. But that that quote is a good one. So now we're at Teen Vogue and the girls meet with a very happy Lisa. We find out Whitney is actually going to take a few days off because she's getting her wisdom teeth out. And Lisa lets Lauren know they're throwing a dinner for 20 young designers. And we're going to end up meeting the intern, Emily. And they call her the epic intern. They don't call her epic. I forget what they call her. But like a super intense intern who now owns, (laughs) I'm going to mess this up, Glossier. Did I say that right? So Emily now owns Glossier and Lauren has to make an Excel sheet. Like after that, Lisa's like, Lauren, you're going to make the Excel sheet and Whitney has better handwriting. So she's going to be in charge of filling out the reminders to like send out to these 20 people. I just want to know like how many of you got your wisdom teeth out when you were way younger because I feel like Whitney's kind of old to get them out. I got them out. I don't even know if I definitely have my license. I actually did have my license. So I was 16 and I got all four out at once and I kept putting my hands in my mouth. I'll never forget. Actually, I don't remember this. My mom told me this. But after I got my wisdom teeth out, they like bring you into this room and they pull my mom in and I kept putting my hands in my mouth because I had no self-control and I started like sobbing, crying and my mom's like, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? And I was like, they stole my tongue. So I was convinced that these people stole my tongue. Getting your wisdom teeth out is no joke And you get a whole bunch of like medication, hard medication. It fucks you up. So no wonder why Whitney couldn't work for Lisa for a few days. So the girls go back to the fashion closet and they start gossiping about the New York intern and they assume she will be very precise. Whitney's like, you know, she's gonna... (laughs) How does Whitney talk? You know, she's gonna be very precise. I feel like all my like imitation sound the same like I try and sound like all the Hills people and they sound the exact same anyway we're at Bolthouse Studios and Spencer calls Heidi and Heidi's whispering because she's at work and calls him a big interruption in her life if anyone ever was like you're an interruption in my life it'd be like I'm out like that's pretty fucked up I'm done but Spencer says he showed up but didn't hook up with the girls he's like You know, how does he talk? Let me pull my upper lip in so I can really get the Spencer Pratt going. He's like, you know, I showed up with those girls, Heidi, but I didn't hook up with them. I don't understand what the big deal is. And Heidi says she needs a week off. Spencer just gets mad and he's kind of like, I don't need a week (laughs) off. I don't need a week off, Heidi. I know I want to be with you. And like I said, I know that these two say everything on this show was fake, But I don't totally believe it. Like I said, season three for sure. But we're still on season two, and it's hard for me to believe that these two were some, like, insane master manipulators that somehow made it past, like, MTV. I just, I really don't believe it. Now, after this scene, we finally meet Emily, the intern. Her and Lauren are talking about their schedule for the day, and Emily's, like, really on top of herself, and Lauren's like, ah. I do what I want, <laughs> but honestly, I don't think Emily was bad. I got a few DMs being like, oh, Emily was so arrogant. She was so this and so that, and I just think she actually took her job seriously. Like, there's a moment where Lauren says Lisa doesn't like her to address stuff because of her handwriting, and then Emily goes, well, I will have to be very careful with my own, and I feel like Emily was just trying to lighten the mood. I don't know if Emily's like super great at being social at this point in her like life, but she was definitely trying to make jokes with Lauren, and Lauren was just kind of like, eh. <laughs> All right, enough of Emily. We're back at Bolt House. Unfortunately, we don't see my hottie Brent. But Heidi with her angry co worker, I keep forgetting to write down her angry co worker's name, but it's her co worker who's like, Spencer showed up with a bunch of sluts. And the angry co worker explains that she saw him dancing with the girls, she didn't see them kissing or hugging, or anything like that, and then she go and she's definitely from New York, or something, I just want to add that, like, she definitely has this, like, northeast accent, and I'm like, I feel you, girl, I feel that anger in your voice, and she goes, if it were me, I wouldn't be okay with my boyfriend bringing two playmate-looking chicks to my workplace, because again, area is Heidi's workplace. Now, after a Scary Coworker gives that moment of advice, Heidi's like, I'm just over it. I'm just going to chill. And I feel like when Heidi's trying to be serious, she gets like (laughs) her voice goes really deep, which is interesting. Now we're back at Teen Vogue and Emily fills Lauren in on flowers. And you can tell Lauren is intimidated by Emily's knowledge of flowers. And we find out that Emily is taking 18 credits in two days. She works at Chanel for one day a week and then Teen Vogue for two days a week. Also, the song playing in the background is Say Anything by Cartel. It's an absolute bop if you don't know it. A lot of you voted flop, which I'll never forgive you for, but it's a great song. And we end up at the Velvet Garden, which is a flower shop. Let me make that clear. It's a flower shop. And somebody was like, Emily was showing off with all her flower knowledge. Honestly, if I knew as much about flowers as Emily did, I would do the exact same thing. But at one point... Emily's like, I wish I brought a digital camera, and Lauren's like, I brought mine. So they start taking pictures, and Emily and the flower lady are bonding, and Lauren just looks bummed. Lauren's kind of like, I don't know enough about orchids to jump into this conversation. I don't know anything about peonies, flowers, but... It's okay, because Emily has it, guys. Emily will do this for us. Emily is the super intern. Super intern. It just came to me as I said that. Not epic intern. Now we're at a girls' dinner, and it's with Heidi, Bunny, and Lauren. And the girls cheers to being single, and Heidi says she's pumped to be single again, which we know will last for about 15 minutes. And the conversation is amazing, so get ready, I'm about to do a voiceover. You know I like to give you a little bit of a heads up, because sometimes it can get loud. I wouldn't give a sleep on this right now for me. Yeah, that's because you guys have had the most serious relationships ever. I can't, right I can't now. date someone right now. Me either. The thought of love right now makes me want to throw up. No, it makes me want to throw up too, because I don't so, believe in it. I think that love is stupid. I think that you can get over anyone though. So, I was head over heels wanting to marry Jason, like obsessed. I know, with you guys had your wedding date set. And I'm fine. The only time I miss having a boyfriend is when I have to put something together, when I have to pick something like a TV out, or do. Okay, good. Or when I have a lot of groceries. I mean, I kind of get the whole lot of groceries thing because sometimes it's really hard, and I am one of those people who refuses to do two trips. But also, kind of shocking that her and Jaywall had their wedding day picked out. What do you think it was? Do you think it was the fight, the slide, 2005 anniversary? So during this conversation, Heidi gets really quiet and she says that Spencer won't stop texting her and Gem Bunny, Gem Bunny, our girl, Gem Bunny, (laughs) she's become our girl instead of my nemesis. She says, I'm going to take this. How does she say it? I keep saying like, how do they say it? But I am going to take this sidekick and throw it in my mojito. And I'm surprised that they let that slide because obviously they weren't like super open about them drinking um underage. But Lauren ends with he's not a good guy. She wants Heidi to know that Spencer is not a good guy. Now, after this very dramatic dinner we're at Whitney's parents' house, and Lauren brings Whitney flowers because she got her wisdom teeth out, and we find out that Whitney had dry sockets. I was so afraid to get dry sockets when I got my wisdom teeth out. I remember my mom being like, don't drink out of a straw. And then she looks at me. She's like, do you smoke cigarettes? I'm like, no, mom, you smoke cigarettes. I don't just smoke cigarettes. But I don't know how else you get dry sockets. Those are the only two things I know of. So maybe Whitney was smoking them back a day. But um, Lauren calls Emily the super intern. And that's where it starts and she keeps calling it really funny. She's like, she knows all about these flowers. She knows this. She knows that. And Whitney says that maybe they just don't mesh. Because Whitney's not here for anyone's bullshit. Whitney's like, you guys don't mesh. That's that. Now we are back at Bolt House, And Heidi and Elodie are talking about Spencer, of course. Because what else are they going to talk about? Um, A few people did ask me if Elodie would join the podcast. And Elodie has been very vocal about how she hates how she was portrayed in the show. But I feel like Elodie, like, didn't end up all that bad. I feel like Elodie wasn't bad. But um, Heidi goes, I really miss him. And then Elodie says, how can you miss someone who does that to you? And then Heidi reminds us all of this quote. It's very, like, Lauren Conrad of her. But she goes, you don't choose who you love. And Heidi says that Spencer just wants one more chance. Like, he wants one more chance to let everyone know that he's a very, very good guy. I still don't believe it. It is 2020, and I don't believe Spencer Pratt is a very good guy. But then Elodie goes, Jordan hurt you. Are you ready to sign up for that again? And then Elodie asks what Heidi wants to do. And, of course, Heidi doesn't answer. So one thing you'll learn about Heidi is when she has, like, a deep question to answer. She just looks into the distance and goes, I don't know. Like, it's so annoying, but it's something she always does. She's like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. And she tries to make her voice, like, a little deeper than it usually is. So if you're re-watching as I'm going with this or just on your own, pick up on that because (laughs) you know that she's really thinking. All right, now we're at the team Vogue dinner, which is what Emily was brought in for. I don't know if he even said that in the beginning. Emily's basically there to make sure Lauren doesn't fuck shit up because sometimes Lauren likes to do that. But Emily and Lauren are setting up the table and Whitney's back. Whitney's dry sockets have healed. And Lauren just kind of looks at Whitney and goes, I think there are too many flowers on the table. So Lisa walks in and she looks right at Emily and she goes, there's too many flowers at this table. And Lauren kind of smiles. Lauren's like, I knew that. I knew there were too many flowers at this table. We find out one of the designers isn't going to make it. And Lisa basically looks at Emily and she's like, you're invited to sit here. And she looks at Lauren and Whitney. She's like, you two can go home. Because Lauren and Whitney kind of thought that they'd be allowed to stay at the dinner. But they were just sent home and Emily had to walk them out. And they all hug. I feel like... Emily kind of made amends with Lauren. I don't know if I'm totally right, but I feel like that kind of happened. And this is a little bit off subject, but it was kind of like after I interviewed Kristen at the um, Uncommon James opening, I looked at her. And like I said, I was very nervous. Like I was extremely nervous to interview Kristen, as anyone would be if you're in my shoes. But I looked at her, I'm like, can I stay? And she was like, what? And I'm like, oh, can I stay for the party? She was like, um, yeah, that's why I invited you. I was like, all right, cool. (laughs) I had zero chill whatsoever. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to stay. But Lauren and Whitney didn't get to stay at this dinner. Emily did. And Lauren and Whitney end up at a burger place. And Whitney's a little bummed. They weren't able to stay there, but she's happy that they got to be a part of the process. And Lauren kind of agrees with her. And I don't know how many of you were in like retail or anything, but me and this girl, Miley, we're still really good friends. I shouldn't say this girl, like one of my best friends, Miley. We worked at Bath and Body Works together. And after we would do floor sets, which would sometimes go from like 6 p.m. to like 2 a.m., we'd always end up at McDonald's and split a 20 piece chicken nugget. And that's what this scene kind of reminded me of. And I was like, oh, how nice. But it's basically just Whitney and Lauren talking and they're excited. They get their burgers. They're kind of bummed they weren't at the dinner. Blah, 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 blah. And the episode ends with Heidi walking out of her apartment wearing a nice black dress. And she gets into the car with Spencer. And that's the end. That is it. And I can just say one thing. (laughs) I still think Spencer's a sucky person. And I feel like the only people who would be together are Heidi and Spencer. Now, I don't know how many of you listen to their podcast, but they did like a podcast recap of Nashville. And Heidi was like, we were there for Kristen because of the Kelly drama. Yeah, we know. But one thing Spencer kept saying. So there's this bar in Midtown called Dogwood. And two people were stabbed outside of it. One person passed away. And he kept being like, oh, you, how does he do He's like, oh, you went to the murder bar. Like, he was all rude about it. And all I can say is, like, distasteful Spencer. Not that I expect a ton from Spencer Pratt, but I was kind of like, somebody lost their fucking life. Like, don't joke about that. And I feel like I'd say that even if I didn't live in Nashville. But at least we know why they were there. And I feel like we all kind of knew they were coming to, like, help Kristen get over the Kelly drama. But, yeah. I just want to throw that little piece in and that is the episode guys and I'm excited like I love season two I love season three and I'm very very excited to see everything that's gonna happen I hope you all have an awesome rest of your week I feel like I should have dove into Miss Americana more and maybe I will do that but next week I want to do Jersey Shore the real world and the challenge I also wanted to let you guys know that the Instagram best of Bravo is going to be joining me soon. So that's really exciting. So if you have any Bravo questions, keep your eyes peeled on my story because I'm going to post something in there. But I hope you all have an awesome rest of your week and I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're a Chiefs fan, I'm happy for you. If you're not even like a football fan, I hope you got some good snacks. And if you're a 49ers fan, I'm very sorry. Uh, Bye.